I am Dr. Barbara Kiel, and some clients of mine prefer to call me Dr. Bibi. And to be honest, I quite like it. Welcome to my podcast. To be honest, a podcast that is born out of mental health efficacy. I believe in the power of intention, and my intention for this podcast is to educate whoever wishes to listen, and to make a paradigm shift in how we perceive mental illness. I also believe mental health education is key, and that one of the most valuable gifts you can give yourself is to invest. In your own mental health. Let's face it, we all need to learn how our minds work, and have the skills to deal with life's ups and downs. And more importantly, let us strengthen our ability to better connect with and support each other. Strong, empathetic. Nurturing and caring relationships have the power to prevent everyday challenges from becoming more concerning issues like mental illness. The responsibility to renew focus on your own mental well-being begins now. Hello, welcome back. Let us set the energy of this episode together. You may wish to put your hand on your heart. And close your eyes, unless you're driving or operating some kind of machinery. Now take a deep breath in, and as you exhale, let your thoughts go. Let your worries go, and let your past go. Now take a moment to plug into the greater energy of the universe. And feel your heart, and imagine us all connected in a unified field of divine white light, and know that you are safe, all is well, and so it is. So take another deep breath in, and exhale out loud with a sigh. And when you are ready, slowly open your eyes. In episode eighty-nine, the topic is "Know Your Own Self-Concept." I have selected the humanist psychologist Carl Rogers' explanation of self-concept, and he believed that there are three different parts, three components of self-concept, and that is self-esteem, which is also known as self-worth, and then is our self-image, and the last component is ideal. Self. Now it seems that a number of you out there, you'd like me to further explain the concept of self-esteem. Well, I know that because you emailed me, so thank you very much for your feedback. Of course, your wish is my command. So here we are. Let's explore self-esteem further. Well, you probably already have a good idea from my past episodes.、Uh, what is the meaning of self-esteem?、Uh, nevertheless, let's start from the beginning. So, what is self-esteem? 
According to psychologist Adler and Stewart back in 2004, they define self-esteem as a person's overall sense of their value or worth, and it can be considered a sort of measure or appraisal of how much they value, approve of, appreciate, or like themselves. So, according to self-esteem expert. Morris Rosenberg, self-esteem is quite simply is one's attitude toward oneself. And in 1965, he described it as a favorable or unfavorable attitude toward the self. And different factors believed to influence our self-esteem include genetics, personality, life experiences, age, health, thoughts. Social circumstances, the reactions to others, comparing the self to others. However, an important point is that self-esteem is not fixed. It is malleable and measurable, meaning we can test for and improve upon it. Now that's good news. To be honest, self-esteem has been a hot topic in psychology for decades, going about as far back as psychology itself. Now, even Freud, well, we consider him the founding father of psychology. He had theories about self-esteem at the heart of his work as well. So, what self-esteem is? How it develops or fails to develop, and what influences it has kept psychologists like me busy for a long time. And there is no sign that we will have it all figured out anytime soon. That is why, in the past, I have also talked about this topic, and you may find that there is some differences and discrepancies of what I have shared. So while there is much we still have to learn about self-esteem, we have at least been able to narrow down what self-esteem is and how it differs from other similar constructs. So now let's explore how self-esteem is different from other self-directed traits and states. Because once you know the differences, then it will not cause confusion, at least. Self-esteem versus self-concept. Now we have already established that self-esteem is one of the components of self-concept, according to Carl Rogers. Now, psychologist Walter Perky in 1989, he describes self-concept as, and I quote, "the totality of a complex, organized, and dynamic system of learned beliefs, attitudes, and opinions that each." Person holds to be true about his or her personal existence. Unquote. Self-esteem versus self-image. Again, we have already established that self-esteem is not the same as self-image because self-image is another component of self-concept. According to Carl Rogers, for one point worth mentioning is that instead of being based on reality, 
self-image can be based on false and inaccurate thoughts about ourselves. I explained why in、uh, episode eighty-nine. So, if you don't remember, please go back to the archive and have a listen. So, our self-image may be close to reality or far from it. But it is generally not completely in line with objective reality, or with the way others perceive us, or with our ideal self. So, what about self-esteem versus self-worth? Again, in episode eighty-nine, according to Carl Rogers,、uh, they are the same. They are similar. However, some other psychologists they may point out an important difference, and that is self-esteem is what we think, feel, and believe about ourselves, while self-worth is the more global recognition that we are valuable human beings, worthy of love. And that is psychologist Hebert's theory back in 2013. What about self-esteem versus self-confidence? Now, definitely, self-esteem is not self-confidence. Self-confidence is about your trust in yourself and your ability to deal with challenges, difficulties, solve problems, and engage successfully with the world, according to psychologist Burton, 2015. Now, if you have been paying attention, most likely you will realize that based on what I just shared with you, self-confidence is based more on the external measures of success and value than the internal measures that contribute to self-esteem. In other words, a person can have high self-confidence, particularly in a certain area or field, but still lack a healthy sense of overall value or self-esteem. As a matter of fact, it's quite common. Okay, what about self-esteem versus self-efficacy? Again, self-esteem is not the same as self-efficacy. According to psychologist Neil in 2005, self-efficacy refers to the belief in one's ability to succeed at certain tasks. Let's say you could have high self-efficacy when it comes to playing basketball, but low self-efficacy when it comes to succeeding in math class. So, unlike self-esteem, self-efficacy is more specific rather than global, and it is based on external success rather than internal worth. And last but not least, self-esteem versus self-compassion. Self-esteem is definitely not self-compassion. According to psychologist Neff, self-compassion centers on how we relate to ourselves rather than how we judge or perceive ourselves. Now, being self-compassionate means we are kind and forgiving to ourselves, and that we avoid being harsh or overly critical of ourselves. So, check your internal dialogue. What is it like? Is it critical? If it is, that means you are not that compassionate toward self. Maybe you also want to practice to have self-compassion. Why? Because self-compassion can lead us to a healthy sense of self-esteem.
As usual, there are certain characteristics that distinguish how high someone's self-esteem is. And here are some examples of these characteristics. Open to criticism, acknowledging mistakes, that means not afraid to apologize or say sorry. Being comfortable with giving and receiving compliments and displaying a harmony between what one says, does, looks, sounds, and moves. People with high self-esteem are also unafraid to show their curiosity, discuss their experiences, ideas, and opportunities. They can also enjoy the humorous aspects of their lives and are comfortable with social or personal assertiveness, according to psychologist Brendan in 1992. Now, according to Martin Seligman, the founder of Positive Psychology, thanks to them, we now know more about what high self-esteem looks like and how it can be cultivated. We know that people with healthy high self-esteem, they appreciate themselves and other people. They enjoy growing as a person and finding fulfillment and meaning in their lives. They are able to dig deep within themselves and be creative. They make their own decisions and conform to what others tell them to be and do only when they agree. They also see the world in realistic terms, accepting other people the way they are while pushing them toward greater confidence and a more positive direction. They can easily concentrate on solving problems in their lives. They have loving and respectful relationships. They know what their values are and live their lives accordingly. They speak up and tell others their opinions calmly and kindly and share their wants and needs with others. They also endeavor to make a constructive difference in other people's lives. They handle criticism without taking it personally, with the knowledge that you are learning and growing and that your worth is not dependent on the opinions of others. So my audience, based on the shared characteristics... I am going to end this episode by giving you some examples of what healthy self-esteem looks like. Now, imagine a high-achieving student who takes a difficult exam and earns a failing grade. If they have high self-esteem, they will likely chalk up their failure to factors like not studying hard enough, a particularly difficult set of questions, or simply having an off day. What they don't do is conclude that they must be stupid and that they will probably fail in the future. So having a healthy sense of self-esteem guides them toward accepting reality, thinking critically about why they failed and problem-solving instead of wallowing in self-pity or giving up. Here's another example. Let's say a young man out on a first date. He really likes the young woman he is going out with, so he is eager to make a good impression and connect with her. Over the course of their discussion on the date, he learns that she is motivated and driven by completely different values and has very different taste in almost everything. 
So instead of going along with her opinions and viewpoints, he offers up his own views and isn't afraid to disagree with her. So his high, healthy self-esteem makes him stay true to his values and allows him to easily communicate with the lady, even when they don't agree. So to him, it is more important to behave authentically from the very get-go than to focus on getting his date to like him. So ask yourself this: Is your self-esteem healthy enough to do exactly that? And for those of you who are people pleasers, more likely than not, your self-esteem is most likely not as strong and as high as you would like it to be. And have no fear; just start cultivating and elevate your self-esteem now that you know what it looks like. And also be aware of the following issues that can manifest from low self-esteem, such as I just mentioned earlier: you people please, you are easily angered or irritated, you feel your opinion isn't important, therefore you seldom share them, you dislike people and yourself, you believe that what you do is never good enough. You are highly sensitive to others' opinions and even constructive criticisms. The world doesn't feel safe for you. You tend to doubt every decision you make. You regularly experience the emotions of sadness and worthlessness. You find it hard keeping relationships. You avoid taking risks or trying new things. You engage in addictive avoidance behaviors. You struggle with confidence. You find it difficult creating boundaries, so go back to the archive and have a listen to episode eighty, eighty-one, and eighty-two on healthy boundaries, healthy relationships. You give more attention to your weaknesses than your strengths. You are often unsure of who you are. So that's a sign of a weak sense of self. So please go back to the archive and listen to episode ninety on "Do You Have a Weak Sense of Self?" and also episode eighty-nine on "Know Your Own Self Concept." I trust that will help you. You also feel negative experiences are all-consuming. You struggle to say no.、Uh, that is related to boundaries, of course. You also find it difficult asking for your needs to be met, and more often than not, you blame others for not meeting them. And you hold a pessimistic or negative outlook on life,、uh, meaning most likely you look at a glass half empty rather than half full. You doubt your abilities or chances of success. You frequently experience negative emotions such as fear, anxiety, or depression. You compare yourself with others, and often you come in second best. So I often say that comparison kills joy. So there's no need to compare yourself with others. The only person you may wish to compare with is yourself. So ask yourself this question: Am I a better person today than yesterday? Really, that's all you need to know for your own growth. And what other people do or not do is really not our business, is it? On the other hand, people with healthy, high self-esteem—they are less critical of themselves and others. They are better able to handle stress and avoid the unhealthy side effects of stress. 
they are also less likely to develop an eating disorder. They are less likely to feel worthless, guilty, and ashamed. They are more likely to be assertive about expressing and getting what they want. They are able to build strong, honest relationships and are more likely to leave unhealthy ones. They are more confident in their ability to make good decisions, and they are more resilient and able to bounce back when faced with disappointments, failure, and obstacles. So, my audience, and now that we have explored both the negative results on a low self-esteem and the positive outcomes associated with high self-esteem, it is a no-brainer that looking into how self-esteem can be built is a worthwhile endeavor, isn't it? Thank you for listening. Until next week, stay safe, learn heaps, and find the courage to be honest. Bye for now. You can find this podcast, to be honest, on Apple Podcast, Spotify, and my website, www.drbarbarakiao.com. D R B A R B A R A K I A O.com.